This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. children to pray and read the Bible, show them what that looks like. They're watching you. Instead of watching you read your Bible and pray to the Lord, they're watching you watch TV on the computer, in the garage, or somewhere else, gossiping on the phone to your neighbors or to your family. If you want your children to go to church, to be faithful, come to the house of God, serve in the ministry, guess what? You have to do that too. What a convincing thing to hear. Any parents out there? Whatever it is that you're doing, your kids are watching. The things you're actively participating in, your kids want to be a part of too. Today, Pastor Eddie makes it clear that your behaviors and your investments are longer lasting than your own life. Those patterns are carried on into your children. Timothy was a great example of following the example of those before him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. As he continues his message, Timothy's faith and heritage. To serve God with a pure conscience does not mean uh, it does not require perfection in performance. It is a matter of intention and a desire to love and serve Christ even when we fail. Now, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, says that I serve with a pure conscience just as as my forefathers did, he's speaking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, um, David. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. It's amazing when you look at the lives of the forefathers in the Old Testament. Start from Adam. Adam blew it too, right? In the garden. Moses comes, oh, Moses blew it till he was a murderer. Abraham, a liar. (laughs) Jacob, deceiver. King David, murderer and an adulterer. And you see, you look and it just, I love the fact that the Bible is honest. It doesn't hide. It's honest because it's there to let us know that we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But in Christ Jesus, it's amazing when you read the scriptures, we study that in Colossians says that we are complete in him. You have no lack. When you come to Christ, you lack nothing. You're perfect. They say, wait a minute. You're holy. Wait a minute. You know, again, positionally, because of Christ, you are perfect. You're complete. You're holy. Practically, we need to continue to work towards that as we glorify God with our lives. However, we serve God with a pure conscience. Um, and just like the forefathers, they served with a pure conscience. They, their intentions, their desire was to love and serve God. And that should be our desire, to love and serve God. And so like the Apostle Paul, the forefathers we find in the scriptures who are not perfect... Like you and like me, 
We are not perfect, but our conscience is pure, clear, forgiven because of the blood of Christ. And so Paul says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. He goes on in verse three, it says, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. It's no secret as you read all of Paul's epistles, you find the apostle Paul praying. He was a man of prayer. And it's so important. The life of a Christian should be one that prays. How often do we talk to people? We, we text people on the phone. We, we respond and reply to emails. Uh, we, we, we're on social media. How much time do we give to God? <laughs> He's only the one that created you. He's the one that died for you, and he's the one that gives eternal life. And so Paul was a man of prayer, and he prayed night and day as he lifted up his beloved son, Timothy. Now he's saying, Timothy, I've been praying for you night and day without ceasing. Can you imagine your name on the Apostle Paul's prayer list? That's amazing. But we can go one further. We can go one further. You are on the prayer list of Jesus Christ. You know, in his book, The Holy Spirit, Who He Is and What He Does, good book I recommend, R.A. Torrey, he writes about his ministry and his missions. And during his ministry, as he travels around the world, he would write letters uh, to his brothers and sisters in the Lord from all over And he felt that the more letters he wrote to people about him and asking for prayer, the more people would be praying for him until he realized that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the one that intercedes for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34 says, It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us. The right of Hebrews, write this, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Think about that. Right now, he's interceding for you and I. He always has. Something to keep in the back of your mind and deep within your heart to always remember that when you ask people for prayer, we should pray for one another. We should ask for prayer. But understand this, there is one that intercedes for you, Jesus Christ. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, without ceasing, he says, I remember you in my prayers night and day, verse 4, greatly desiring to see you, be mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. The tears Paul remembers were the tears Timothy cried probably at the last time they were together. Most likely it would have to be when Paul had asked Timothy to be the pastor of the church of Ephesus. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, he writes this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, he says, As I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. I urge you to stay in Ephesus. But Paul, these people are crazy. Just stay. Paul, I want to be with you. Crying, I don't know how much he cried, but he remembered his tears. He's about mid-30s to 40, and he loved Paul dearly. Now, 
Paul knows that he soon is going to be put to death and wants to see Timothy once again. And we can see here that even in Paul's letter, even the great apostle can be lonely, can be discouraged, in need of support and fellow Christians. And the psalmist right, you know, uh, says, why so cast down on my soul? And we think that because one is a man of God they use greatly, and think that, you know, they don't go through what everybody else goes. And listen, I'm just like you, trust me. The same things you go through, I go through as well. The world goes through the same thing we go through. So because you're Christian doesn't mean you have no more problems, no more issues, no. As a matter of fact, you, you probably get it more because the enemy wants to discourage you. But we're on the winning side. We have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to help us through our trials and tribulations. And that's the good thing. Now, just thinking about this, you know, when you look at somebody like Paul in, in, in the prison cell in need of Timothy, you can never leave this man alone. Even in a cell, he starts writing books. But he desires to see Timothy even the Apostle Paul knows that there is no long ranger in, Christian, in Christianity. There's no long rangers. You know, I pray for those that think that they don't need to be a part of a church. That's not biblical. That's absolutely not biblical. They think that they're so gifted. They're such a gift to the universal body of Christ, to all ministries, that they're long rangers. It's not biblical. I have to bring this up, but this is, is sad, but I have to use it as an example. One of the greatest apologists in the world, Ravi Zacharias. If those of you who don't know him, travel in the world, answer the most complicated questions in the world. He was a lone ranger. He needed to be a part of a church. He needed a covering. What happened, he did not have that. And he fell. How many great leaders fall because they have no one? There's no accountability. And I praise God for the accountability I have, not only here, but with other pastors in other churches. They, they call me up. Eddie, how's it going? How are you doing? And, and so I appreciate that. But God never created man to be, even man to be alone. The very beginning when he created Adam, he said it's not good for man to be left alone. And even for Adam, from the very beginning, when there was at that point, there was no sin. They were not tempted or anything. He was pure at that point. Why would he need anyone? He had the Lord, but the Lord knew that it was important for him not to be left alone. It is Christ who builds the church. Christ doesn't, you know, a church is not a person. It's people. It's a group of people. As a matter of fact, the Jews, they had a custom whenever they would go and, and, and live in a, new, in a community and there was at least 10 Jewish men, the law was to start a synagogue because it's made of a people. Listen, we need each other. We need the church. And Paul knows that very well. Even the apostle Paul, he knows hey, we need people. We need each other. This is why this is sacred. Why this is when we gather here. It's important. It's how we, we communicate. We reach out to one another. Even during the week, 
Even when you're not in church, I think that's a beautiful thing. Reach out to one another. And he says in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded it's in you also. The word genuine here in verse 5, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, anopokrestos, I believe that's good enough. And it means unhypocritical. It means unhypocritical. Timothy's faith in Christ was genuine because he had a godly grandmother and a godly mother. His grandmother, Lois, had a genuine faith. His mother, Eunice, had a genuine faith, and it was passed down to their son, Timothy. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing that we can give and pass on the inheritance to our children, our children's children, and so on. And I think this is what this generation, the generation before us, and even after that, has lacked because people no longer fear God. Church is not important anymore. You got a stadium filled with 60,000 people and it's a snowstorm and still watching a football game. But the church is the last thing on their mind. I thank God for my parents. I thank God for my grandparents that fear the Lord. As a matter of fact, my grandmother, she was a prayer warrior. And I mean a real prayer. She was on her knees. As a matter of fact, she had callus on her knees. It was ashy. She was a prayer warrior. She had callus on her knees. How many can we say we have callus on her knees? James, the writer of James, the half-brother of Jesus, his nickname, some early church fathers say that his nickname was Camel Knees. You ever see the knees of a camel? It's the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Uh, they should just put a cover over it, something. A knee pad. <laughs> but my grandmother had callus on her knees. She loved the Lord. She loved birds. A house is filled with pictures of birds. She just loved birds. But he, her, she herself was kind of a singing bird. I remember to this day that she would have conversation, in the middle of a conversation, she was just burst out of nowhere singing a hymn. She can't sing for beans, but. <laughs> she would sing a hymn. And those are the things I remember. I remember looking at her Bible. Filled, it was a lot of Bible verses highlighted, marked, underlined. And I'm grateful for that. And what she has shown to be a godly woman, her life was filled with the Lord. I don't know how many parents and grandparents today can say that they are godly parents and that their faith is genuine, and that their faith is unhypocritical. How many can say that? Wonder why we have problems in school and in the world. Because you can't expect your child 
to love the Lord and serve God and love God if you yourself don't love the Lord and serve God. You can't expect them to have a genuine faith if your faith is not genuine. Since, since the Greek word is genuine, is unhypocritical, then to not have genuine, genuine faith means that you're hypocritical. It's not genuine. Your faith is not genuine. And how that looks to have a faith that's not genuine, eh, just call yourself a Christian by name. Do the things that you need to do to score points with God. <laughs> a lot of church denominations are like that. You know, we need to set examples. We need to be an example to our children. If you want your children to love and serve God, then you yourself should not compromise in your faith, and you should love and serve the Lord. You know, because, listen, some lessons are caught, not taught. They mimic you. Some lessons are caught, not taught. If you want your child to read the Bible and pray, but yet yourself, you don't read your Bible and pray. You want your children to pray and read the Bible? Show them what that looks like. They're watching you. Instead of watching you read your Bible and pray to the Lord, they're watching you watch TV on the computer, in the garage, or somewhere else, gossiping on the phone to your neighbors or to your family. If you want your children to go to church, to be faithful, come to the house of God, serve in the ministry, guess what? You have to do that too. You can't expect your children to be godly children if you yourself are not godly. Are you faithfully going to church? Do you let them know? This, there's no compromise. We go to church. We set boundaries. I don't care what's happening Sundays or, or we're coming Wednesday. I don't care what happens. We're going to church. Again, I always tell you my story. <laughs> I've always wanted to join baseball. And you can see I need therapy for that because I keep repeating that story. <laughs> but it's a perfect, perfect story because I've always wanted, and I was really angry with my dad. I said, man, I could be the next, you know, Mickey Mantle, you know? I had baseball cards, posters all over my room. Everything was baseball. And he said, well, when do they have games? Oh, Saturday. And I said, Sunday. <laughs> what was that? Sunday. No, I'm sorry. Sunday, you go to church. <laughs> Again, I came out okay. I, I'm honoring God. They can actually, as my father passed away and trust me with so much before he passed, I could see that he uh, knew that I feared the Lord. And for me, that's a lot because I was the black sheep of the family. I was a bad kid. <laughs> My father did everything. Still, I would, he would get a te the teacher call or whatever. I'll be in trouble. That's just who I was. And I knew that my father wasn't happy with the way I would behave. And, and later as I gone into life, I saw that he began to be proud of me. Knew that I was in the ministry I was a police officer, and, and he would just share that. But it's because of what he was. He was faithful to say, no, we're going to church. It's because of my grandmother. So when you see someone like Timothy, who Paul is right, listen, I know it's in you also. 
that genuine faith that was in your grandmother and your mother, man, it just, oh, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Man, you came out like your parents. They love the Lord and they're sincere. There should be no problem. You know, it's sad that some, you know, throughout my ministry, all the years that I've been in church and I would have people say, you know, I wish, pray for my son, pray for my daughter, pray for, you know, they don't go to church. They don't love the Lord. I hear that very often. Only a few that I know, Celia, I, I had to tell them, well, do you go to church? <laughs> do you love the Lord? And that's the challenge there. You know, some people have the audacity to blame the church because their children, the kids are not going to church. Oh, it's the church fault. I don't think it's the church fault. I think it's the way you raised them up. Find another church. As long as they're going to church, God gave you children. You need to raise your children, not the church. Do we expect the government to raise our children? Do we expect the teachers and the school, the public school system to raise our children? The streets to raise our children? Facebook? Instagram, social media? No, we don't expect anyone to raise it. We're called, parents, we're called to raise our children. And this is important because, you know, things are bad now. Have you ever thought it's going to be worse for your children, your grandchildren? Do you really love your children, your grandchildren? What's the best thing you could give them? The word of God, Jesus Christ. The best thing you could This has made it through thousands of years of wars, generations of every tribe and every tongue. This still exists. This is still powerful. This still gives life. But, you know, quite often, you know, we want to raise up our children for Hollywood, NFL, NBA, MLB. I have no problem with those things. If that's a career, great. But is there any compromise? Do we put anything before God? And that's one of the first commandments. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, my father had backslid from for a while. But because of his upbringing, it, it hit him, and he began to go to church, and we started going to church since I was about eight years old, seven or eight years old. Parents, here's the thing. I think this is important because we, we're reading about Timothy, and there's a reason why a woman by the name of Lois and another woman by the name of Eunice had the honor to be mentioned in scripture that we, 2,000 years ago, could actually read their names and they are like in the hall of faith, if you will. Because they were faithful to the Lord and they raised up their child in the ways of God. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been talking us through the book of 2 Timothy in this series, which is found in the Pauline epistles. As Paul's life and ministry are coming to a close, he writes to remind Timothy that although there were those that treated him poorly, there were also good people, faithful in helping him fight the good fight. In essence, this letter catches Timothy up on exactly who those men and women were, so that he's better prepared to effectively continue the ministry. Standing by your convictions and faith is no simple feat, and Paul understood that Timothy needed to know who he could depend on for help, besides Jesus, of course. Are you in a season where there's a struggle at every turn? 
If you're looking for help to navigate those difficulties or simply need someone in your corner, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. Remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on Running the Race.